Hi guys. How are you doing today? Good? Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. Well, Pete already introduced the team. Thank you, Pete. Um, yes. So we, um, I have no idea what you said. Um, so I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna go for it. Uh, we have been in Kohima for about six weeks now, and it has been amazing. I speak for myself and also on behalf of my whole team. We've loved it here. We found the people so amazing, so warm, so open, and it's just such a passion for Jesus. And so we're just, I personally am very excited to be here today speaking to you guys, and I think it's um, very much an honor to be here. So thank you. Um, yes, I believe... Um, Pete mentioned SBS, the School of Biblical Studies, that we just went through. Um, and so I am uh, going to speak on um, one specific impactful story that really uh, just hit my heart in my time of studying the Bible. And so it was this past November, we were a month and a half into our school. And I was sitting in the prayer room that we have on campus, and I was doing homework. And I happened to come across a story in the Bible that I didn't actually knew existed before. And this is memorable for me, um, specifically because it was one of the first times that the beauty of the Bible actually brought me to tears, because I just saw how incredible God's character was. And so in November, the Spirit spoke so clearly to me through this story, and that is my hope for us here today. It is my hope that we would have open hearts to hear what God has to speak to each of us individually as we look at the story that we find in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And so before we begin, I will just pray. Yes. Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity to be here today. And God, I ask that, um, yes, Lord, you would be speaking to each of us, God, that our hearts would be open to just hearing your voice and what you have to say. And so in Jesus' name, uh, amen. Okay. So 2 Samuel 9. Um, I'm just going to give a little bit of context. Okay, so at this point in the story, it's about uh, King David. Um, yeah, just going to give a little bit of background. Um, so King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, had died at this point, and so had um, Saul's son, Jonathan. And so Jonathan was Saul's son, as well as King David's best friend. And so right now, David had already become king over Israel. There had been a long war between Saul's house and David's house. But when we come to 2 Samuel chapter 9, there's peace. So it's a peaceful time. It's a good time for the nation of Israel. Um, yes, and so we will just dive in. 2 Samuel 9 verse 1. David asked, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And so this verse alone I personally found very interesting, uh, believe it or not, because 
usually the mentality of a king would be to want to destroy the family of the last king, the previous king. But here we see that David was not a normal king. We see that he actually wants to show kindness in, uh, kindness instead. And in 9-1, we also see why he desires to show this. It's for Jonathan's sake. And so this requ- does require a little bit of backstory. Um, there's no need to flip to it, but in 1 Samuel chapter 20, um, David... Uh, who would become king, and Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, made a covenant, which was an agreement to be faithful and committed to the well-being of each other's families. And so what David is showing here in 2 Samuel 9-1 is David is showing his commitment to the covenant that he made with Jonathan. And then in 9, well, we're just going to say in chapter 9. So in verses 2 through 6, David has his question answered. He finds out that there is someone left who belongs to Saul's family. And he is a man named, it's a hard name, Mephibosheth. Um, And Mephibosheth is actually Jonathan's son. And what we see earlier in chapter 4 is that Mephibosheth has been crippled in his feet and orphaned since the age of five. And we see that in 2 Samuel chapter 4. So, yes, there is someone left of the house of Saul to whom David can show kindness, and his name is Mephibosheth. And so David has, um, David has Mephibosheth brought to him. And then in um, verses 7 through 13, we see um, something really beautiful. We see that David makes Mephibosheth a promise, and we find that in 7. David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. And so the promise, um, it was a twofold promise. So the family land would be restored to Mephibosheth. It would be brought back to him and he would gain possession of it. And the second part of the promise is not only would he regain his family's physical possessions, but Mephibosheth would be brought into David's home to actually eat at the king's table. And so in, uh, from verses 7 through 13, there is a repeated phrase. Um, it is a key idea that the author really wanted to highlight. And so we see three times in the exact same words this idea comes up, and four times if you're looking at the idea. And so, um, yes, and the repeated phrase is, that or the idea is that Mephibosheth would eat at David's table, at his table. Um, and so it's repeated four times, one in verse 7 that we just read, once in verse 10, 11, and 13. And so in verse 7, David is promising this to Mephibosheth. In um, verse 10, we see that David says this to one of his servants. Um, 
Yes, at the end of verse 10, but your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, shall always eat at my table. So that was David speaking. And then in verse 11, at the, uh, yes, 11b, we see it again from the author's perspective. He says, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And then finally, in verse 13, we see this idea again. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. Yes, and so it is important to notice because just from um, the, yes, because we see two things. And the first thing that we see from this is that um, we have a, a deeper look at David's heart and at David's character. And so not only do we see David giving uh, Mephibosheth security and well-being, which was that the land would be restored to him, but David also gave Mephibosheth a family. Yes, 11b. He ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And so imagine this, if you can with me, from Mishib- I can't even say his name right, I apologize, from Mephibosheth's point of view. Since the age of five, he had been crippled, he was lame, he couldn't walk, he couldn't, yes, he just couldn't do things for himself. And so he didn't have anything to contribute. But David didn't look at him and say, oh, there's a useful guy who could really be an asset to me. That's not why David did it. David looked at him and saw him and in his kindness and faithfulness to his friend Jonathan brought in Jonathan's son Mephibosheth. Yes. Um, Yeah. And so also since he had been five, he was orphaned. Mephibosheth had been orphaned since he was five years old. And so not only did David provide for Mephibosheth's physical needs, but David actually also provided for his heart. And so it was because of David's kindness and love that he brought him in. He brought him in as his very own son, the son of the king. And so David didn't have to go to that length to be faithful to the covenant he made with Jonathan. David could have stopped at giving him the land and fulfilled his obligation. He would have been off the hook. But we see that David goes above and beyond to bring Mephibosheth in as his own. And so, yes, imagine Mephibosheth. He is provided for. He has security and he has a family. And so what kind of response would, um, would this have had in Mephibosheth's life, seeing all that David had done for him? Well, he, he would have loved David with all of his heart, and he would have been absolutely loyal to him. And later on in the book, we actually see that exact response from Mephibosheth. Um, But we aren't necessarily going to go into it right now. But we do see that that was his heart posture. Mephibosheth loved David and he was absolutely loyal to his king and his adopted father. Yes, so that is the first thing that we see. 
we see how David's character was shown through what he did and the response that Mephibosheth would have had. And so the second thing that we see is actually a foreshadow of what Jesus has done for us. And so this second thing, seeing Jesus through this random story I didn't even know was in the Bible, um, this is what left me weeping in the prayer room on that day in November last year. Um, And seeing Jesus in this story is the point and the purpose of everything that I have said thus far. And so what we see is Jesus, he is the covenant. Jesus himself is the covenant that actually brings us to God's table. I am, you are, everyone at God's table is Mephibosheth. We were welcomed to, and we were given a place to sit at the table of the king. Not because we had anything to bring, not because we had anything to offer, and not because we were found worthy by anything that we did. But we were brought to the table only because of the covenant and only because of the promise that we actually have in Jesus as our Savior. We were brought into the family of God to become his children because of God's kindness and grace, because of his mercy and love shown through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And in 1 John 4, 9 through 10, it says this. Oops, sorry. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of our father's love and his heart and desire to be with us. Yeah. And, um, yes, we, yeah, okay. So Jesus didn't just bring us to the table, but he actually bought us a place at God's table with his blood. Jesus purchased our adoption as God's children with his blood. No longer are we orphaned. No longer are we left crippled and out in the cold to fend for ourselves. That is not our identity and that is not our destiny no longer. Because it says in um, Ephesians 1.5 that he, speaking about God our Father, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. And so no matter our physical situation, um, whether we have parents or no parents, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, spiritually, we all were in Mephibosheth's position, orphaned, out in the cold, and nothing to offer. And now, like Mephibosheth again, we are children of the king with a place at his table forevermore. That is who we are. And so, yes, since we have received Jesus as our sacrifice, Jesus as our Savior, 
Since we have believed in the name of Jesus Christ, the only name by which we may be saved, we now have the privilege and the honor and the beauty of sitting at God's table and being called his children. And so my question to us today is, what is our response? What is our response? Are we, like Mephibosheth, so, so grateful to our king and our father that we love him with our whole hearts, that we are completely devoted to and loyal to him? Is that our response? In... um, In Matthew 22, verse 37, um, yes, Jesus says what God desires most of all, the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And so Jesus is saying that that is actually the right response for us to have. When we, as God's children, truly understand the magnitude of the gift of love and grace that we've been given in Jesus, that we, as broken, as sinful people who have nothing to bring to God in and of ourselves, would have the honor of being called his children. When we truly understand that, A wholehearted kind of love is the only response that we could ever truly have. And so, yes, I... um, Yeah, today, tonight, in the next week, in the next few days, something that I would actually encourage each and every single one of you to do is just to sit down with God and have an honest conversation with him. Just ask him, God, what is my reaction to you right now? Am I truly loving you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength? Am am I doing that? Am I loving you rightly? Am I loving you the way that your love towards me deserves me to? Um, Yes. Am I loving you, God, the way that I've been loved by you? Um, yeah, and so, yes, short message today, and I'm just going to pray us out, and honestly just pray and prophesy that over each and every single one of us seated here today, that we truly would have the response of Mephibosheth, we truly would have a Matthew um, 22 verse 37 response, and so I'm just going to pray us out. Father, I thank you for all that you have done for us. I thank you that you, that through the sacrifice of your son, you atoned for our sins and made a way for us to have a right relationship with you. God, I thank you that through the sacrifice of your son, that we are actually able to be called your children, have a place at your table for eternity, God. And so, Lord, I ask that you would reveal to us, God, I ask that you would show us areas in our lives where we are not loving you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole soul, and with all of our strength. Holy Spirit, today, tonight, in these next few days, I ask that you would open our eyes and humble our hearts to see what you have to say, God. And so, um, yes, Lord, I thank you, and in Jesus' name, I pray, amen.